So, so right before we started recording, Hakim called me out for my cultural insensitivities of calling uh, <laughs> our current guest uh, British, while uh, while they might be Scottish. Tell us more about that, Alan. Is it actually offensive to call a Scot British? Do you still feel the power of uh, unshackled balls underneath your beautiful skirts as a <laughs> current part of your identity, or do most Scots in your experience go like, ah, okay, we're Brits, whatever the fuck? Uh, well, that has uh, been a very emotive question over the past, say, <laughs> 10 years in Scotland, actually. You might remember we even had a little vote about it if we were going to yeah. um, do yeah. uh, do a Britain <laughs> or do an independence. And the vote came down to a bit kind of 50-50. And so now everybody basically just hates each other here. Yeah, right, perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how you know. Look, it's 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 two things. It's like ethnic strife, and then immediately, especially along political lines, and then your something happens to your food. It just gets like logarithmically better. I don't know what it is. <laughs> they need to do research on this. It's it's always it's like the more unstable, the warmer your country is, and the more instability there is, the better the food is. I don't know why it is. I don't know why. Uh, who knows? Well, People I can only <laughs> hope for a major genocide here then. <laughs> <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to yet another episode of The Deep Program. Uh, today <laughs> we have our first returning guest and not just any guest but Mr. Allen, PhD himself. Uh, I personally poured myself a nice glass of gin to go with the soothing <laughs> voice of this senior staff writer and podcast producer for Mint Press News. For those of you who for some reason haven't read any of his work, he has uh, two books under his belt and a library of work which speaks for itself. Uh, we will be linking all of Alan's work below and strongly encourage you to check it out. I personally am quite a fan. So, Alan, I'll uh, let you grab the wheel. Tell anyone who doesn't know about you a little bit about yourself, sir. Well, I think you've done uh, a great job. Uh, effusive praise indeed. Yeah, as you said, uh, <laughs> I think my official title is Senior Staff Writer and Podcast Producer at Mint Press News, uh, an alternative uh, media website. And pretty much most of my investigations and writing come down to um, scrutiny of power, particularly Western power, things like think tanks, big governments, big government institutions. Um, that's kind of what I specialize in, although I am extremely online and get into a lot of like stupid shit on Twitter as well. <laughs> Actually, banger tweets, though. Legit. It's mm -hmm. really banger tweets. Yeah. So some, some journalists, uh, because it's a profession I respect immensely, but in order to, uh, you know, stay up in the hierarchy as uh, a respectable journalist, they feel like they need to stay, quote unquote, respectable. But ironically, as uh, generations are changing and as the old people are dying away, I think in the future, the, the more... Uh, the more self-ironizing you are in whatever profession you might be in, you're going to actually end up being more more respected. Kind of taking yourself too seriously, I think, is going to be a value that really dies off. But I digress. 
well, let I, us get I into want, the... Yeah, I just want on, to add on. one thing. Sorry, sorry, I just want to add one thing. It's that uh, if you... Speaking about the banger tweets... Um, you know, you know Alan's base because when you check his, when you check Twitter, I think you have over hundred thousand followers, something like that, and no blue check. That's how you know. You, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know you're based. No blue check sorry, and sorry, never once been ratioed in my life. Oh wow! See, there you oh go. Well done. God, lucky boy. <laughs> Uh, today we'll be talking about a variety of different uh, interesting personas, to say the least, uh, based on a few articles that Alan uh, just released and which you will be able to find in the description of said episode. Uh, I, w I wanted to start out with a relatively short, relatively long quote from uh, one of his articles on Elon Musk specifically, which I think will perfectly get us into the right setting which this episode is kind of going to represent. So, Elon Musk's proposed takeover of Twitter has ruffled many feathers among professional commentators. Quote, Musk is the wrong leader for Twitter's vital mission, read one Bloomberg headline. The network also insisted, quote, nothing in the Tesla CEO's track record suggests he will be a careful steward of an important media property, end quote. Elon Musk is the last person who should take over Twitter, wrote Max Boot in the Washington Post, explaining that he seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. The irony of outlets owned by Michael Bloomberg and Jeff Bezos warning of the dangers of permitting a billionaire oligarch to control our media was <laughs> barely commented upon. Added to this, a host of celebrities publicly left the social media platform in protest against the proposed $44 billion purchase. This only seemed to confirm to many free speech-minded individuals that the South African billionaire was a renegade outsider on a mission to save the internet from authoritarian elite control, despite the fact that uh, he is borrowing money from the government of Qatar and Saudi Arabia in order to do so. Musk deliberately cultivated this image of himself, a real-life Tony Stark figure, who thinks of himself and is not part of the established order. But behind this carefully constructed facade, Musk is intimately connected to the U.S. national security state, serving as one of its most important business partners. Elon, in short, is no threat to the powerful. Entrenched elite, he is one of them. To start with the first question after this brilliant introduction to actually one of uh, Alan's articles, Gone are the days of people being famous just for being famous. Now you're famous just for being rich and a bit goofy. So Elon Musk has almost single-handedly introduced the world to a new genre of celebrity, the billionaire. Uh, while we were always fascinated by our overlords, we rarely praised them as messiahs to the same extent we do today. Uh, by playing on internet culture cliches, uh, Mr. Musk has managed to build an almost uh, cult-like following online and off. He elevated the class trader cliche mindset of praising one man for projects tens of thousands are working on and created an image so larger than life that attacking him feels like you're attacking mainstream American culture itself. So, Alan, as a journalist who's written about him, uh, what do you think? Was a character like Elon and inevitability, a late-stage capitalist humor oozing out of the rotting flesh of class consciousness? Or, I don't know, would you be more optimistic? 
<laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you said almost cult-like. I think it's pretty fair to say his freakish followers would take a bullet for him. I mean, if you read his replies, it's all like, Daddy Elon, uh, pump Dogecoin, please. They're so invested <laughs> in him emotionally, financially as well. And I think he kind of builds on this. He's kind of like the 2020s version of like these euphoric atheists and the I fucking love science mm. guys from a decade ago. Mm. You might actually remember his fans won the inaugural Worst Fandom on the Internet Award in 2018. <laughs> he actually beat out, well, they beat out Rick and Morty fans in the final, which I think is Somehow. a bit... Yeah, you, you know that meme where, like, multiple Spider-Men are pointing at each other? I think the Venn diagram of Musk and Morty fans is pretty much the same group of, like, teenage pseudo-intellectuals. It's a circle, really. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But there are cults of personalities around other billionaires as well, like Gates and Bezos have minor ones, although they really pale in terms uh, to being, you know, this, you know, incredible figure, this Tony Stark figure that Elon Musk claims he is. And I think that's partly down to the fact that they're just sort of robotic, inhuman freaks who haven't really got the same energy. Maybe one good comparison would be deceased Apple CEO Steve Jobs, who became this icon of the tech industry because he was like the first computer programmer who thought to hire a product designer to sell his extremely <laughs> overpriced hardware. But yeah, I mean, what you said, uh, you got Nick, ultimately, we do live in a capitalist society where just a handful of men literally hold more wealth than the bottom 50% of humanity, 4 billion people almost combined. And I guess you have to look at the at that extraordinary sacrilegious inequality, and you either have to recognize these people as the festering, pus-filled, cancerous boils on the arse of humanity that they are, or you have to justify it in some way. And so just how like the pharaohs of Egypt had cults devoted to worshipping them as living gods who can do no wrong, so too do today's pharaohs have similar cults. But their worshippers don't go into buildings. They get their news from the high priests over at Bloomberg, owned by Michael Bloomberg, formerly the world's richest ninth person, or MSNBC, if you don't know, MS stands for Gates Microsoft, or from the Washington Post, owned by Bezos, who was formerly the richest man in the world. So yeah, every socioeconomic system has to justify itself in some way, otherwise it will eventually be overthrown. And you can either look at Musk and Gates and co and say they're outgrowths of a deeply wretched, inhumane system, uh, in which case that implies that we have to change it, or you have to come up with some sort of rigid, uh, ridiculous justification or veneration of them. And that's what we're seeing here. Brilliantly put. I always thought like, okay, so the system has to create uh, billionaires because that's how it's set up. And then it has to create the daddies of billionaires, the 0.001%. And uh, I want to like imagine that there is a multiverse. I actually believe there is a multiverse, but let's now <laughs> all agree. Okay, there is. there are alternate dimensions. And in the alternate dimensions in which capitalism also won the way it did here, but where other factors impacted the lives of tens of thousands of people, et cetera, et cetera, did we potentially end up with much worse 0.001% uh, representing that, that sort of uh, class? What I'm saying basically is, I look at Bezos, I look at uh, Gates, I look at Elon, I look at, uh, oh my God, Zuckerberg. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, these are, as you said, festering uh, pimples on the arsehole of, of humanity. Uh, but could we have done worse or and could we have done better? 
I don't know the answer. The only thing I can absolutely say is that we could not have done more cringe because at this point, <laughs> if this this galaxy, this uh, this dimension is proving is that you should just be an antisocial, weird ass robotic piece of shit who uh, does not care about his employees in any single way. And but forget even about that. We might have a few listeners that aren't even socialists or whatever. Like what? What did Elon like really think up? Like ideas that were thought up 150 years ago. Let's go to Mars. Let's have a car that's electric and a flamethrower. Like, no tunnels. <laughs> tunnels. And tunnels. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> even, even wilder shit. So all I can say is if, if there are multiverses, this is the most boring one. Maybe there are worse ones with works billionaires that already have their own private armies. They've already bought up countries, which a lot of them could could absolutely do, but they for some reason don't. Uh, but yeah, all I can say is that it's uh, it's definitely the most boring one. Any you, of you guys' takes? I mean, if Elon Musk was 10 years younger and less socially awkward, he would be so much more dangerous than he already is. People already worship mm-hmm. him, but if he was like a little bit more charismatic, I can't even imagine the damage he could do. I was just going to say, um, the only way this could be possibly worse uh, was if somehow, like, I don't know, the, the current ruling establishment of the United States... I mean the faces as well, not just like you know people behind the scenes, but the faces themselves were these multimillionaires who somehow had captured the interest of the youth as well. Maybe they're like imagine if Joe Biden would stream like video games like <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> That's what I mean. And then I thought about it. I was like, okay, what is the perfect microcosm of of how horrible of a universe this would be? And the first idea that came to mind was Joe Biden Funko Pop. And thank fuck, there doesn't <laughs> seem to be one. There there are apparently people on Etsy that make their own. Right, but there's no actual, you know, yeah. So that was uh, that's my take. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could just get a Joe Biden Funko Pop off that uh, machine learning image thing that everyone's going on that Dali. <laughs> oh thing. shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good idea. Actually, we can make a T-shirt out of that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I suppose seriously though, like capitalism is a sort of a system which uh, rewards people who are sociopaths or psychopaths. There's a couple of really good books about this, one by John Ronson and one by Cameron Riley. And Riley's one in particular just says, well, you know, something like 1% of the population is supposed to be a sociopath. So where are they? And he goes and looks and it turns out that um, something like a quarter of all CEOs could be uh, diagnosed as sociopaths. And that's because to get to the top, you have to absolutely screw over absolutely everyone you know out sharp elbows um you know uh you know telling on your employees no solidarity trying to union busting everyone (laughs) exactly all that sort of thing you know gets you to the top whereas being a nice person doesn't just as a a side note uh, i used to work in a museum and there was uh, we had a really great supervisor and i started just after this other person And she, on her first day, went around with a clipboard and made detailed notes about what everyone else was doing incorrectly. So, like, she'd be like, oh, Stephen took 15 minutes extra for the toilet or Joe didn't pick up the trash or something. And she handed that in to the management and she was almost immediately promoted. Oh, jeez. I'm I'm completely unsurprised. Because the thing is, it's even also on this other side. I think we've spoken uh, about this in an earlier episode, but a lot of capitalism, especially within the enterprise or whatever... Uh, organization you're part of the point isn't only quote-unquote efficiency because most of the time this superfluous garbage it doesn't actually result in higher efficiency 
Um, happier workers are more efficient than miserable ones, uh, at least in the long term. But there's also this aspect of control, right? Um, that you that needs to be maintained within the workplace. The this uh, absolute hierarchy, you know, the uh, the old feudal notions of of, of uh, an, you know, basically an absolute monarch that that's been given the right to rule by God. Is it never went away? Just shifted to the enterprise um, in the current model that exists with the board of directors as the feudal lords, and then the fucking cunt at the top um <laughs> being the 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 uh, emperor or what what have you the king uh, but uh, I, that is also something that i've noticed um in private healthcare you notice this actually quite a bit is the same exact thing where where um they are almost um uh, i don't even know what the word would be in english but this hyper focus on on time specifically like oh you know you took 25 seconds too long on one patient i was like okay but this is people's health man but uh, whatever you you understand the point that i'm getting at absolutely power is symbolic unless it's actually used you could own a massive corporation but unless you take specific steps to show not tell to show your employees that their livelihood depends on you and that they shouldn't take a 16 minute break if it's supposed to be 15 one example out of 500 billion that's the only time when that power actually manifests itself in the physical world and that's when you actually not only feel powerful but prove to yourself that you are and it's an addiction like any other which then spirals out of control be it in middle management be it even with fellow employees snitching on each other uh, and as you said Hakim at one point it leads to it no longer even being about efficiency or making money but uh, satisfying this need that you cannot uh, find in any other uh, field of life because you're so alienated by, by the same job that you think can free you from the alienation which it's causing in the first place. Uh, but speaking of alienation on a, on a global level, uh, let's continue with a uh, relative cliche, uh, the war in Ukraine and how <laughs> in the nine hells Mr. Musk managed to entangle himself in the goings-on there. Uh, most people have probably heard of Elon's generous donation of uh, quote-unquote internet-generating devices called uh, Starlink to the Ukrainians towards the beginning of the war. Uh, I honestly thought uh, it was originally like, okay, a cool thing, all the internet is off, people will still need to communicate, like it's chaos, da, da, da. but uh, as we will learn, uh, <laughs> as we have learned, the... <laughs> How will I play Genshin Impact? <laughs> yeah, everything behind it. But, uh, like the, <laughs> a lot behind it is much uh, much grayer or I would even say much darker than uh, that we have presumed so uh, please Alan tell us uh, a bit more about that yeah Elon got a lot of good publicity a few months ago when he announced he was sending thousands of Starlinks uh, over to Ukraine so as you said everybody could get online and start posting again uh, if you don't know Starlink is like this small satellite dish which you can attach to your car or your house or whatever. And these satellite dishes can connect to 204, uh, sorry, 2,400 satellites in low Earth orbit. Most of them are SpaceX satellites. And so it's a really short range um, connection that you can use, but it's basically like a home Wi-Fi kit. And despite the fact that these are there are thousands of them, it doesn't mean that you can actually really get people online because, you know, Ukraine is a country of tens of millions of people uh, you're going to need much more than this. And so immediately you start wondering who is actually receiving them. 
Ukraine's digital transitions minister said around 150,000 people had used these 10,000 Starlinks. Um, ultimately, though, it seems that they are primarily going to the Ukrainian army, to Western spies and those sorts of people in Ukraine. So it turns out that Ukraine's army is now completely dependent on um, Starlinks to do things like target acquisition, use things like satellite, satellite imagery or infrared targeting. And so Musk's generous donation is actually now the backbone of the Ukrainian military. In fact, one official told the Times of London that he now, quote, must use Starlink in order to even fire his weapons, and it's impossible to do so otherwise. So Elon is now really, knee, like, not even knee-deep, probably, you know, shoulder-deep uh, in this war. Not only that, a lot of the Starlinks have actually gone to the Azov Battalion, um, probably don't need to tell many of your audience who the Azov Battalion are, but they're, you know, a Hitler-loving Nazi militia, which is now formerly part of uh, the Ukrainian Armed Forces. And so whenever you see any of these guys being um, being interviewed on television, like, for instance, when CNN did HD interviews with these uh, commanders that are stuck underneath these steelworks in Mariupol, or at least they were at the time, that was all being done thanks to Musk's technology. But what we found out a little bit later was that um, rather a lot of these Starlinks were not actually donated by Musk at all, as he said. And in fact, USAID had been uh, buying up Musk's... Uh, of course. Ah! Yeah, mm. yeah, he'd been... Yeah. USAID had be, basically been buying up the inventory and then paying to ship them over to Ukraine as well. And USAID, if people don't know, is a government organization that uh, the U.S. has used for regime change purposes all over the world to train, support, or fund pro-U.S. groups, um, yeah, in many countries. So, for instance, uh, USAID played a key role in coup attempts against Hugo Chavez in Venezuela and also in a color revolution attempt in Cuba last year, which really went nowhere. I think you've actually got a, a video on this, Hakim, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, so I guess that's what uh, Musk is really knee deep or even, you know, shoulder deep in this war. And uh, people should be a little bit more aware of what's going on. It's not just this sort of purely altruistic donation, but he's actually, you know, a major player in the war between Ukraine and Russia now. I mean, in general, whenever somebody creates a brand, uh, I'm going to put my marketing hat on. Uh, they have two sides of a business, especially if it's a corporation that owns multiple businesses uh, and multiple other corporations, which then it becomes a conglomerate and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to bore you with that. But uh, there, there's the, the, the actual face of the company, which you want everybody to concentrate on, which Elon is brilliant in establishing. So you concentrate on SpaceX, uh, which is this uh, brilliant futuristic idea, quote unquote, and you concentrate on Tesla, which is this uh, uh, way towards a greener future, quote unquote. And when while everybody is looking at this, I can't call it a facade because they're relatively legitimate companies, even though they hemorrhage money more than arguably any firm that has ever existed in the history of humanity. But okay, let's consider them legitimate companies. But when you have the legitimate front, you are basically, and when the front is so popular and so strong, you are basically given a free-for-all to do 
whatever you want uh, in the background. And with Elon Musk being a perfect example, especially after me learning quite a few things from your article, Alan, we can see uh, that if the front is strong enough, you can even quite literally engage in, we let her learn even harsher things, but in this case, military logistics. He is selling to, an, whatever you think about it, but to an active war zone, and he is giving them not uh, fucking uh, tents and shower heads and uh, like uh, water pipes in order for their like camps to uh, have uh, like full livability. He is giving them tech which is allowing them to express lethal force upon the enemy. And if it was any other smaller firm uh, or if it was a company that like is selling internet tech to any active war zone, they would have to be registered as what? As uh, a military company that is selling military gear to uh, active combat zones. But if you have a business so massive such as Elon's, you can not really hide. You don't even have to hide. Whatever you do that might be considered controversial or that would very often in many places in the world require the approval and acknowledgement of your state and your government, you don't really have to do that because you're Elon with the funny little electric cars that you send out into into space. So what? whatever if you give uh, fucking assistance to homing beacons that blow up tanks you know and you're not a you're not an arms dealer my friend yeah, yeah that's also mentioning the, the fact that it's the, the ideologies of, of uh, optics quote unquote does that play as well um if for example um hypothetically let's assume i don't know uh apple was selling their technology to iraq during the uh, illegal american invasion of iraq then in that case it would have been the 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 optics of that decision would have been viewed in a very particular way and they would have been demonized all all to hell uh, but be it microsoft or apple or tesla now or even fucking amazon um having uh, links to uh, the u.s military in their usual you know endeavors let's call them that around the world nobody gives a shit in fact it's a normal part and parcel of being an american a large american corporation nowadays uh, but again, like imagine if Tesla was, um, imagine if it was just a business decision and Tesla was, you know what, like we'll sell the Starlink things to Ukraine and to Russia. All of a sudden, you know, oh, well, but we're supposed to have the you know sanctions, you know, why are you giving it to the barbarian orcs except, you know, <laughs> but yeah, the this is beating a dead horse at this point. Sorry, GT, I was gonna, you were going to say something. No, I was just going to comment on the optics like you were saying. Um, he's generated so much overwhelmingly goodwill for himself that I was I was talking to a guy the other day and they they had brought up the Starlink thing and asked what I thought about it and so obviously I said I don't think that's a good thing um, and they were like oh but uh, I think it's so good that like uh, the average citizen can affect uh, world events like this and I'm like <laughs> these people they genuinely have this weird mix of like great man theory combined with Marvel brain where they're searching mm. for like a real life superhero who can, you know, take them to Mars to break rocks or or who can change the outcome of a war by just by virtue of his tremendous wealth. It's just they they completely lack the ability to look at at something like this like sending this military equipment to Ukraine and like okay, you like this guy. W what if just imagine, imagine this guy wasn't as good, like wasn't a good person and he mm -hmm. affected the world in a way you didn't like. Can you see how that would be bad? But it's just I don't know. It's very, 
it's disheartening to see that so many people have completely bought the charade and are completely behind the the power that these individuals have. And you know, just to add on to that point a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, um, the the thing that annoys me most about this bullshit, the the, the oh Musk's of the world or whoever else, Musk is the perfect uh, example usually to use because he is the most you know. Um, a publicly perceived, uh, what's the Marvel guy, Iron Man, what's his name? Tony Stark. Tony Stark, thank you. <laughs> He's the most publicly perceived, like, uh, Tony Stark, um, not lookalike, but, you know, in, in, in his uh, presentation, what he's trying to do, etc., mm-hmm. etc. That's what people think he is. And I, what annoys me about this is all the things that he's trying, that he's claims that he has solutions to, be for example, public uh, transport infrastructure or uh, space exploration and travel or anything else. All this stuff has been proven to be reliably and uh, uh, reliably done and possible through the most boring but most secure thing, which is regulated and directed state investment, which is the only thing that fucking works. For some reason, people, again, uh, well, I, I, I don't blame them if you've been fed from like two years old and every movie you watch, oh, some great magic fucking billionaire and he, whatever he does, you know, he just throws money in an issue and then, oh, fuck, it's solved. Unlike the reality, which is it's very slow, methodical development across many decades through, as before mentioned, regulated and directed state investment through usually your tax fucking dollars. Uh, it's it. What annoys me is that instead of uh, linking yourself to what works, they attach themselves to this. You know, um, yeah, this comic book idea. This, you mm-hmm. know, it's. I don't want to use the word. <laughs> I don't want to use the word soy boy. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you know the you've seen you've seen the soy wo jack with the like the patchy beard and he has his mouth open really wide. He's like, oh fucking. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly the vibe I get when anybody when anybody positively speaks about Musk. Yeah, hundred percent. I've got news for all of those people. When Musk blasts off to Mars, leaving this dying, baked planet to its doom, uh, those people are not going to be on the rocket ship with him. In fact, they're going to be like crawling up, trying to get in, and he's going to be like kicking them down like, in the <laughs> head. And they'll be like, Daddy Musk, what are you doing? You are not uh, getting off this planet. We've only got one planet, and uh, we don't need a trillionaire to like solve our uh, transport problems. We can just build a train ourselves. Yeah, exactly right. You'll need to have uh, at least a big check for future Martian uh, military interventions to be let on his little fucking uh, spaceship. But not nah, all. All of these people, like at the end of the day, it's it's a dichotomy of uh, thinking that um, he like this great man theory, but at the same time, like only if Musk knew how actually cool I am and how many like modern cultural internet references I could do, he would definitely be like my best bud. He would like have beers with me after work every day and tell me about his new Tesla projects, you know? It's, 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 and, and somehow these fucking imbeciles balance these two fucking things in their head because I guess they have too much free time with none of the sex that they're having. Uh, but okay, <laughs> uh, moving, on, moving on to the next, again, relevant to the military subject. Uh, it's important to note that uh, just sending a bunch of expensive satellite routers to Ukraine wasn't really uh, Elon's uh, starting point in what we at this point have defined his participation in the military industrial complex. Uh, so SpaceX isn't only sending satellites to the skies that let you watch high-speed porn, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Elon's uh, Elon has had a very long and lucrative relationship with uh, the 
state and with Pentagon, something that actually unironically surprised me, and uh, lots of Pentagon's private uh, sector friends. Uh, so the way I finish every single question today, uh, <laughs> Alan, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, just incidentally, on the Pentagon and Iron Man and Tony Stark, the writers of Iron Man actually, in the first draft of the scripts, um, it was a completely anti-war film and Tony Stark was actually going to be using his powers to fight against the military-industrial complex yeah. and generally the Empire uh, more generally. But uh, then they went to the Pentagon for help and the Pentagon insisted that they rewrote everything and turned it into a massive pro-war film. So, you know, the fact that, you know, it is what it is is actually, again, a direct result of uh, US meddling or US government interference. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to burst anyone's bubbles when I say that um, there really aren't that many customers for rocket delivery flights into orbit besides the US government and its various agencies. This isn't Planet Express, this isn't Futurama, you know, those deliveries are mostly <laughs> delivering spy satellites into orbit so they can spy on us. And SpaceX, which is Musk's rocket company, uh, started in 2002. And it really only got off the ground, frankly, with massive support from the CIA, and in particular, InQtel, which is the venture capitalist wing of the CIA. Some of you might be surprised to find out that the CIA does have a venture capitalist wing, but it is true. Uh, the point of InQtel is to identify and work with businesses that can deliver to the CIA and other intelligence agencies cutting-edge technologies to keep them many steps ahead of their competitors. In fact, the Q in InQtel is a reference to the Q character from the James Bond franchise. Uh, you know, the guy who makes Bond's gadgets like, uh, mm -hmm. like uh, a car that's also a submarine or a wristwatch that's also a gun or like a pen when you hold it upside down, you see a naked woman. I don't know. I don't really watch James <laughs> Bond. But yeah, anyway, uh, Mike Griffin was the head of InQtel. He was aiding Musk from the very start and even accompanied him on multiple trips to Russia where Musk was trying to buy intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, from oh Russia, God. which, by the way, is something <laughs> that actually happened. Um, his his idea was... a random expense. <laughs> yeah, his idea was uh, basically to... Uh, use secondhand Russian rockets to try and undercut Lockheed Martin and Boeing and the rest. Uh, anyway, Mike Griffin really went to war for Musk at the CIA, calling him the next Henry Ford of rocket manufacturing. And Griffin left InQtel a little bit later to become the head of NASA. And it was there when he secured Musk his first big contract, a $400 million deal. Now, that blew my mind. Despite this, SpaceX was still collapsing and Musk was flooding all of his PayPal money. But wait, wait, I'm going to interrupt you for a second, Alan. People need to understand this because Alan is beautifully eloquent, but, but he went over it as if it's nothing. Elon Musk wanted to buy rockets from the Russians in order to compete with Lockheed Martin. And the guy who was pitching him the most to the military wing of the U.S. government changed jobs to NASA. And he liked Elon, so that's how Elon got some of his first contracts with NASA because of his old buddy he was trying to buy rockets with. Fucking incredible guys, journalism. Guys, please, Alan, yeah. Alan, Alan, are you trying to tell me that under capitalism, 
there's nepotism? Are you trying to tell me <laughs> that he he didn't just pull himself up by his bootstraps and got through just just sheer grit and uh, gusto? What the fuck do you Americans say? Just sheer. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I mean, I guess he would have pulled himself up by the bootstraps, but there were too many emeralds in his shoes to do that. So he just had to, you know, keep going. But yeah, it is true that um, SpaceX got its, um, you know, really, you know, got its foot in the door thanks to the head of a CIA department, you know, working with them. And not only that, just despite the fact of this $400 million deal, for years SpaceX was really treading water and Musk had to flood all of his PayPal money into this and Tesla, by the way, and he assumed that both of those companies would go under. But luckily, Griffin's NASA came and helped him out with a $1.6 billion contract, which he was never expecting to get. And this was despite the fact that SpaceX, I think I'm right in saying by this point, hadn't even successfully launched a rocket at all. And so from there, it's really blossomed into a more successful endeavor. But it was really the CIA and Mike Griffin... Uh, at NASA who really you know helped this out but even then I want to stress that even now SpaceX customers are almost all US agencies the CIA the NSA the NRO NASA you name it and SpaceX is responsible for delivering all of these spy satellites the ones they use to spy on you every day into orbit and so in that sense Musk is absolutely key uh, he's a really important actor in the national security state and the global surveillance state that's been built on it. It's it's beautiful um, to hear how he didn't even have his first rocket into space and has received over $1 billion. And then we have people in our comments sometimes uh, giving us shit for uh, getting Patreon money. Motherfucker, <laughs> I, I can tell you today that I'm going to send a rocket into space. Uh, <laughs> give me Patreon money. It's going to be uh, less sensible than... than uh, you giving us uh, some financial support for uh, bringing brilliant people such as Alan closer to your beautiful little earlobes. Uh, but uh, enough with this like politics, economics, guns, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't know if you know, Alan, but uh, the D program has recently rebranded itself into a financial guru channel uh, <laughs> since you've last been on the show. So, uh, to keep things relevant, uh, give our listeners a guide on how to become uh, the next richest man on earth, Elon Musk style. What I mean by this is fuck him up the arse with his uh, failures, how much tax dollars he got, etc., uh, etc. Et well, I guess they always say the best way to become a billionaire is to be born into it. And that's kind of what happened with Musk. His parents were famously in apartheid South Africa. They owned an emerald mine. And then, you know, there are stories of him as a teenager walking around the streets of New York with emeralds in his pocket, and that's how he funded his activities. He's, you know, really into tech, etc. And he was one of the early um, buyers into PayPal, which is a program we uh, all use, except me now. I've actually been kicked off it uh, for political <laughs> reasons, but um, that's another story. Um, but yeah, uh, Musk did not invent PayPal, but he was part of the so-called PayPal Mafia, which is a clique of a few dozen people who worked at PayPal and then went on to own pretty much all of the tech companies and big social media platforms that we now know. So he made a huge amount of money from PayPal selling up, and then he went and looked for other opportunities like Tesla and SpaceX, and then got rich off the government trough. So again, with Tesla, um, the reason it's even able to 
post a profit, frankly, is the fact that we've got this crazy um, green cap and trade system whereby car manufacturers are required to produce a certain amount of green vehicles. Now, almost no car manufacturer actually makes enough electric vehicles. They're all still making diesel or petroleum vehicles. The crazy part of this is that, of course, Tesla makes pretty much 100% of its vehicles are electric. The crazy thing is that they are then, due to this system, allowed to turn around to big companies like GM or, or Renault or whoever and just sell those green credits to them as if those uh, cars were actually built by GM or Renault or whoever. And so through that system, he actually rakes in m literally billions of dollars every year from every other car company going who has to buy these credits, even though nothing's actually going on. This is a complete false economy. And it's this uh, crazy idea that we can, you know, find sort of some sort of market system to get us out of this climate catastrophe that the market has created. And so, yeah, ultimately, Musk's uh, wealth is based off of, you know, investing in a company that managed to become pretty much a monopoly or a, a huge player in um, in uh, financial transactions, and then striking it uh, lucky with this electric company, which, um, you know, frankly, is massively overpriced, but um, it doesn't seem to matter right now. I think that's something a lot of people forget uh, with with most of these, you know, million, like not even millions, just multi-millions of billionaires, um, money begets money. I think this is a common uh, assumption that's made, but I don't think it's it's not easy to grasp just how easy it is to maintain such large levels of wealth and how easy it is to uh, multiply that wealth once you have it, right? Um, the simplest thing is just accumulative interest uh, on uh, money that you already have, like liquid cash that you have uh, invested. Or even more beyond this, you can have, if you have such vast amount of capital, you can invest it into such a diversified portfolio. It doesn't I don't mean just like the quote unquote regular investments that you know everyday people you know try to do. I'm talking about things that are intrinsic to the functioning of uh, global economy and to the nation that you live in, and if you're particularly wealthy, and to the functioning of many nations, right? Uh, which then results in, for example, um, the ability to not only maintain your growth as long as everything is secure what i mean is unless some major war happens or something you're never going to see any uh, dip in your uh, real ability to 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 uh, uh, flex that wealth um, but even then hilariously even if there's some giant catastrophe usually the people who are best suited to still somehow end up making a profit at the end of it are those who already have those vast amounts of capital Unlike, you know, regular people like you and I, where uh, no matter what fucking happens, you get, there's no out, sadly. <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, it's just um, something to, to add on to the point. Of course, yeah, uh, one last thing is Musk himself never actually developed anything. He just bought into a lot of stuff and then just told them, hey, make me a, a quote unquote founder, like put my name on the fucking thing. That's about it. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when you get to Musk's sort of wealth, the wealth just kind of like begets wealth, as you said, but also you become so powerful that you kind of make the rules and also people will just start giving you money for no reason. So 
like for instance the state of new york for um handed over musk's over 750 million dollars just so he could build a plant near buffalo and that's actually small fry compared to what the state of nevada gave him which amounted to 1.3 billion dollars in incentives and tax reliefs so he would build the um i think it was the giga factory near reno so at this point musk is actually getting paid what nine figures 10 figure sums just to like turn up to places and build his uh factories somewhere which he would have had to have done anyway but we've got this crazy situation where cities compete against each other or states compete against each other and this is just allowed under uh this sort of capitalism we've got right now to me the the main point that which i realized just how uh much this dude doesn't know what he's talking about and it's just i don't know capitalist destiny leading him down a path of power and wealth is a particular interview where uh, he was asked uh, why the company was called tesla and that was literally the only thing i kind of liked about it because it actually brought to the mainstream the brilliant mind of this uh, uh serbo-croatian uh a person who in, even back then thought of things like fucking Wi-Fi and brought us pretty much, I don't know, uh, the root cause of uh, 60% of the tech that we get to experience today. Uh, obviously a man who wasn't in it for the money who ended up literally dying in a one-room hotel room uh, and after which he had the room raided by the FBI uh, so that... Uh, Oh, God forbid, his uh, research wouldn't end up in the hands of the people. And when he was asked why it was called Tesla, his immediate response was because the name Edison was already taken. Oh, my Lord. This speaks uh. because literally all of his employees and some are really brilliant people that unfortunately have to... Uh, make their dreams happen by selling a part of their soul to this grand capitalist. But he probably has plenty of Teslas working underneath him. But he, with that one answer, showed me that he is very, very conscious of the fact that he is this world's Edison. But now there are there are two ways to interpret that. Either he thinks that without, Ed, like he's actually brainwashed uh, by capitalism and thinks that without the Edisons, uh, the Teslas would not do anything. And without an Edison, you know, you cannot take these uh, these brilliant ideas and turn them into products because all oh, ideas need to be products. If they're not products, they cannot actually be, uh, you know, spread among people. Uh, or the second thing, he is very conscious of the fact that he is not as talented as plenty of Teslas that are under his employ or Teslas from all over the world. And that's why he needs to concentrate on being an Edison because that is the only way he can actually make something out of himself and a man who uh, whose projects are mostly unfulfilled and yet a man who after they're unfulfilled accepts copious incredible amounts of private and government body uh, government money shows me that uh, that he is most definitely the latter he figured out the game and he's playing it till till the fucking end going full cards in full cards in and uh for now the cards are playing in his favor but when we flip the fucking table it will probably be uh a bit different <laughs> it is incredible though like how how much americans do love a snake oil ses uh, salesman and how crappy everything elon musk has produced it's like you know he's produced uh, an electric car which half of them he's had to recall and you know like 
if a fire starts, which seems to happen pretty commonly, you're now locked out because there's no mechanical doors, so you're just burned to death. Or he produces some like ridiculous t uh, hole in the ground whereby instead of it being like proper mass transit, it's just, oh, we'll stick a bunch of cars down there. Another death trap. This guy seems to really love the idea of like, you know, killing people through fire, frankly. He just keeps reinventing trains in a worse way. It's it's <laughs> ridiculous that pe more people don't see through it. I'm, I'm looking for it, but I can't find it right now. But uh, I'm pretty certain I read it where it's one of his uh, engineers, head engineers, uh, was talking about like, oh, quote unquote, his work ethic, right? And he was like, oh, when you come and you you need to pitch him some changes that need to take place or something, you have like 10 or 15 seconds to say something that will grab his interest or otherwise he just like walks away. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, yeah, this is the this is the, you know, example of somebody who's oh, you know, fucking oh, I work sixteen hours, I'm some mega genius, right? You don't have, you have a fucking a TikTok <laughs> time to, uh, attention span. Oh, and the thing where he sexually harassed some flight attendant and then yeah. like tried to give her a horse to, to, to be quiet or some shit. Yeah. Um yeah. Every single thing <laughs> you're it? selling me just makes me think of Donald Trump, including the whole yeah, sexual yeah. harassment thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they're sure. all a bunch of perverts after a certain income. I think it's just like when you, it, it's it's not only this, but a certain, you know, like birds of a feather, right? <laughs> I think it's also that sort of deal. Um, they end up coalescing in just one area. Um, sorry, sorry, go on, you go up next. No, it, but no, that's 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 literally the definition of liberal morality. It, it it doesn't really matter what a person does in the material world. It matters how they are perceived and how much social credit they have in the material world. Elon can do absolutely the same things that Trump does, but because Elon has more social validity inside of their in-group, it is okay to be pro-Elon Musk. If it was the other way around, it would have been okay to be pro-Trump. The conservatives do the same thing with, uh, with Trump versus, I don't know, AOC or whatever. Uh, but with Elon specifically, it's interesting that he has uh, he has fanboys from uh, all the quote unquote aisles uh, of uh, of political ideology in, inside of the U.S. and and internationally, especially because at the end of the day, we have a lot of uh, these these you know, quasi intellectual redditors left over running around that are I, I call them like second grade nerds which weren't nerds back when they were fucking 12 and 13 and 14 but they hit like 18 and 19 and they saw oh my god the geeks and nerds are getting like uh, purple haired pussy and they were like holy shit I need to re redefine my personality because just being a normal dude uh, that no longer applies so I'm gonna try really hard to be perceived as a geek and as a nerd and and uh, they were like, oh, my God, what the fuck could I grasp onto? Oh, let's grasp onto this Elon Musk dude because uh, fucking electric cars and fucking space travel and shit. And that became, after many years of consuming it uh, constantly, became their uh, their whole personality. They are the, as we, what we said in the beginning, the, the only like uh, fan base that can be compared to them are uh, Rick and Morty fans. But in my opinion, they are literally, uh, literally the same, at least. One is a show uh, which, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, is a decent enough excuse for the fans. The other one is a real-life person who represents uh, everything that is wrong with the way how, of how we have established society. But l while Elon Musk is, uh, you know, capitalism's quote-unquote Godzilla, there's plenty of uh, King Kongs out there, uh, <laughs> willingly or unwillingly trained to the interests of empire. I was very proud of myself when I wrote that sentence. <laughs> uh, your newest article, Alan, on uh, Bono, 
who uh, for <laughs> all the Zoomers uh, listening today uh, was the frontman of a uniquely, in my opinion, average band, U2, uh, which is more famous. If my mom heard me, she would fucking castrate me if I said that, but uh, which is more famous for its uh, activism than its uh, music, if I may say so myself. Uh, and the article, again, just like the previous one, brought a lot of things to light. So tell us, Alan, how does one go from an anti-war indie musician to a dude that compares St. Patrick to Zelensky and says oh, Tony Blair Tony Blair ain't going into Iraq for the oil. Yeah, I feel kind of guilty for dunking on Bono. It's kind of like, it's almost like kicking someone in the ass while he's down and he's shat himself <laughs> in public at the same time. I mean, <laughs> he's made news recently, as you said, after performing uh, the all-time worst concert ever. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen it in Ukraine. And also for sending Nancy Pelosi uh, possibly the most cringe-inducing poem ever written, which she publicly read out. Uh, but yeah, Bono and U2 really made their name as celebrity activists in the 1980s, first with Live Aid in 1984 and later with other similar causes. And over the years, he really became the face of acceptable activism, which leads to articles like one of my all-time favourites in the Washington Post titled... I wanted to understand Europe's populism, so I talked to Bono. But yeah, he's, <laughs> oh he's, he's treated as this incredible intellectual and moral uh, force for good in the world, especially a uh, moral force for the third world. I mean, I don't know, Hakim, I, maybe you don't think Bono speaks for you, but that's certainly how he's <laughs> presented here. Uh, I'm sorry, you know what? It's uh, I've always felt powerless, but knowing that uh, a guy who wears very unappealing sunglasses, uh, <laughs> always, by the way, indoors too, which is something I've never understood. Um, th th this guy, he is true. <laughs> he gives the, the voices to the powerless. Um, sorry, if you don't mind just saying two things. Number one, I don't think I've ever heard a U2 song. That's their band, right, U2? Yeah. See, that, that's a, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard a song of theirs. And I thought it was Bono, not Bono. Is it? It is I don't Bono. I, in, Bono. I intentionally Bono, yeah. did. Oh, my God. You guys, I intentionally <laughs> did Bono. He doesn't deserve it. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a fucking... You should just call him Boner for fuck's sake. But, yeah. Um, the only thing I know about him is I know South Park made fun of him. That That's the... I remember I saw that episode of South Park a long time ago. That's the only thing I've... All right, sorry, Alan. Go on. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I suppose at the same time as being an anti-poverty campaigner he and also a hundred millionaire by the way he's also rubbing shoulders with some of the richest of the rich and the elite at gatherings like the world economic forum in davos or the international monetary fund or anything else and honestly in his time i think there's barely a powerful genocide doing arse that he hasn't kissed if you go on google images and type bono george bush Bono, Paul Wolfowitz, Bono, Henry Kissinger, anyone you can think of, there will be pictures of him hugging and kissing them and glad handing uh, with them. And that's one of the main reasons his credibility is utterly shot. Uh, as you said, you got you built uh, you two built their image as like this anti-war indie band with a social conscience. But you know, when they released a, an album called War, which is an anti-war album, and then more or less support the Iraq War. Uh, this over the objections of the Irish people, by the way, that really starts, uh, you know, uh, launching a lot of confusion in people's heads, you know. So uh, at the time of Iraq, Bono said, and I quote, 
Tony Blair is not going to war for oil. Tony Blair is sincere in his convictions about Iraq. In my opinion, he's sincerely wrong. We must not make a martyr of Saddam Hussein. He's good at working the cameras. So basically, he's saying, <laughs> I support you completely, but maybe this isn't a great idea uh, in Iraq. And he said the same thing about this to George Bush. He said, I'm all for President Bush trying to scare the shit out of Saddam, but you have to bring along the rest of the world. So I support Bush and Blair all the way to the point where they go to war without the United Nations behind them. So again, it's basically extremely tepid criticism but even this kind of uh, objection was really thrown out of the window by the next year when he was literally inviting Blair over to his house to hang out. And he does that constantly. And so, you know, even by the time Blair was absolutely hated and despised and it was his final day in office in 2007, Bono said, and I quote, what I admire most about Tony Blair is that he has almost all of the time exposed himself to bad press and outcry for doing things he believed in. And those things were killing 2.4 million people in Iraq, I suppose. And it's, I suppose it's even more sickening when it comes to George Bush. He's actually his close friend and goes over to his ranch to hang out all the time and post, of, post this stuff on Instagram. And he even describes Bush, and I'm not joking, as one of the world's greatest ever humanitarians. And yet he's still claiming <laughs> to be this like voice of the voiceless uh, guy. And ultimately, it's uh, really wearing thin, in my opinion. You know something I always wondered about this uh, this this sort of thing. Um, well, actually, this is this should be the most important thing. Who gives a shit who Bono hangs out with? Generally, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he, like he makes subpar music. I don't know if he still has fans or anything. I don't. But my point is, okay, yeah, th- this is a bit of a side thing. But more importantly, actually, the thing that I really like from the article, something that you mentioned, is the litmus test. Of people's, um, uh, of basically your quote unquote activist credentials, or, or uh, I want to say revolutionary credentials because the guy never claimed to be a revolutionary of any kind, but um, the litmus test being, of course, in the era like 20 years ago, being against the Iraq war, number one, and uh, back then as well as now, being uh, pro Palestine, right, against apartheid. Um, and he has very, very um, uh, significantly taken the wrong stances <laughs> on both of those two, two very major um, uh, like uh, ideas or, or positions, which I think really just says it all. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, he is an absolute admirer, lover of Shimon Peres, uh, this uh, you know war criminal who was also president of Israel. Uh, you know, he's one of the only people who. If you don't know, Ireland is an absolute hotbed of pro-Palestinian support rights. People in Ireland see their struggle against British imperialism in a very similar way to what's going on in Israel and Palestine right now. So there is overwhelming support for Palestine there. And you two are one of the only bands, one of the only Irish bands of any note, and there's loads of them. Uh, they're one of the only bands who's actually broken BDS and played in Israel. Uh, When it comes to Palestine, you know, he talks about Palestinians as people being filled with rage and despair. But he talks about, you know, Israeli war criminals as being amazing. So, yeah, as I think just as a a general uh, point, I think it's very it's a very, very good thing to do whenever you're trying to work out who this new politician is or who this person on Twitter is. Just, you know, type what take their name in and then write Palestine or Israel and see what they say. And it so often exposes people as total frauds. Empire tends to like look at uh, developing countries and make fun of how they have state state sanctioned bands and musicians and how 
uh, oh my God, look at these people, like the state writes songs for them and then they perform it where they're praising the great leader or, oh my God, they're singing about how these beautiful highways were built thanks to some dude that's been in power for 47 years. Uh, yet they indirectly, when we look at Bono and plenty of other musicians and very famous individuals, uh, do kind of the same. But it's it's the same uh, application of uh, foggy power that they use with absolutely everything else. You don't do it. You don't do it directly. You don't officially state that uh, these people are working for the government or for a particular set of. Uh, interests coming from this group or that group uh just throughout the decades and decades you establish your you establish not yourself as uh somebody who respects them but you reestablish them to feel as if they are one of you and that's exactly what happened and i'll say it again with bono uh who uh <laughs> from from what i from what i know started feeling more like a member of the world elite started identifying more of with their what a quote struggles of uh, big decisions and world changing uh, acts of be it war and peace. Uh, and by self-identifying a lot more with them, he kind of at the end of the day became one of them and became a loudspeaker for for everything that they uh, they themselves uh, believed. Uh, and while it's easy to like rush off and say, okay, these sorts of people, like who the fuck gives a fuck about what they think, and uh, this isn't important, I would absolutely agree, it isn't important who the fuck gives a fuck about what they think, but uh, we don't care. Hundreds of millions of people, I would argue the majority of, uh, of the population, takes a lot of their opinions, not out of uh, books or... Uh, um, academically approved uh, journals or even, uh, you know, uh, relatively stable newspapers. Uh, they take it from the lifestyle and the words said by uh, celebrities, be it in interviews, be it on concerts, be it on whatever loudspeaker to which a lot of, with which a lot of people have uh, uh, a sort of uh, connection. And if you were a part of, for example, the Aid Africa movement of uh, these hundreds of concerts that were happening all over the world where they were non-profit and all of that money was supposed to go uh, for the African continent, out of which the majority ended up being stolen. But uh, you, you, you started feeling like you're a part of the movement and you started feeling like you're, uh, you're already invested so much of your time into this thing that your identity kind of melts with it. So uh, I've already told too many of my friends that I'm a bo Bono stan. So when Bono starts uh, saying shit like uh, Tony Blair has good intentions in Iraq, uh, you kind of have to swallow a massive load uh, by disregarding Bono at this point because you put your cards with him for so long so you end up a lot of people end up uh, just going with it because it becomes such a strongly established part of their identity and we very often forget how much uh, celebrity culture is impactful uh, but the the wealthy and powerful most definitely do not and that's why they use them as uh, as tools and have used those of them who are gullible enough or corruptible enough for for years on end. But speaking of corruptible, uh, to kind of 
not finish it off, but go towards the the end of this episode uh, to prove just how corruptible uh, people are. Uh, let's link our two personas uh, and what always links two people with uh, more zeros on their bank account than inches in their pants, taxes. Uh, so we've touched on uh, Elon's tax schemes. Uh, so tell us the, the like... Uh, all of us temporarily disadvantaged billionaires. Uh, what can we learn about taxes from uh, Bono? Well, first of all, I am amazed that nobody commented on the fact that you used the phrase swallow a massive load and uh, we just <laughs> kept on going. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess Bono, Ireland's got very lenient tax laws for uh, creatives, artists, musicians, etc. They've got a really good culture there and they're trying to uh, foster that. And that means that um, up to $250,000 of royalties uh, you can receive without paying a penny in tax on those. Uh, and yet when they tweaked their laws in 2006, you 2 decided to immediately move all of their operations, their financial ones, I mean, over to the Netherlands and then over to the tax haven that is Malta. And it turns out Bono has got all sorts of uh, very odd um, investments everywhere. He owns, for instance, a Lithuanian mall, which has not paid any taxes despite making a profit. His name uh, appeared repeatedly in the Panama Papers, this global dump of, um, of uh, documents showing this widespread tax fraud and tax evasion. He also has put in some of his money into uh, the gentrification of Dublin, which is one of the cities with the absolute most out-of-control rents going on. And really all of this going on at the same time as he's still presenting himself as this um, uh, social justice advocate led to big protests across the world at music shows where he played uh, because he's obviously cultivated this sort of indie, more progressive um, audience. David Evans, the guitarist who always insisted upon uh, being called the edge called the protests ridiculous and Bono said that you know it was just smart people being sensible about how they were taxed so honestly I think in some ways they might have a point this tax problem is systemic because the rules are written by people who uh, who wanted to you know just carry out the biggest theft in human history robbing us all blind daily but you know, what makes it more jarring or insulting is the sanctimonious, holier-than-now slurry Bono and his ilk force down our throats every day. At least somebody like Berlusconi or Trump or whoever, when they do it, um, they don't pretend like they're the second coming of Jesus. And I think that's one of the main reasons why Bono is so hated around the world. That, and of course, he's always wearing shades indoors. That is such a weird thing to do that I've only yeah. really seen, like, so a lot of celebrities will do that. It's like, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb if you're wearing your sunglasses inside. You'd be like, oh, who's that asshole? And then you look at the person. Except at raves. Absolutely. You need I... to wear them at raves. The too much fucking light. I, the guy is probably hopped up on something. He doesn't want, to see, he doesn't want people to see his fucking blown up pupils. <laughs> well, I would say Bono has said, Bono said a few years ago that uh, the reason he does this is because he's got a medical condition. But um, uh. as you said, it does seem very odd that this medical condition kind of only affects celebrities. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Uh, I'm just going to say, I, I want to find out. Does he actually have... Um, when you write Bono, Bono sunglasses, it shows up like, oh, uh, which sunglasses he wears, which I couldn't give a shit less. Armani 9285. Jesus Christ, the price. Sounds what expensive. the fuck, dude? It's 
It's sunglasses, man. All right, hold on. I think he says uh, he has glaucoma. Yeah. But my mom see. has glaucoma, and I've never seen her wear sunglasses. Oh, so frankly. Okay, he does have. He he claims to have glaucoma. All right. Okay. Very interesting. Womp, okay, if that's womp, a, now if you that's can't in, make the sunglass yeah. joke anymore. Yeah. But, well, it's fine. <laughs> it, the previously it stands. Now we know that he has a condition. Uh, but well, still, also he, he says he's got condition. the condition. But as I said, it, yeah, it, I don't know. That was only about fifteen, twenty years after he started doing it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. He has some photosensitivity of some kind. I think that is a convenient excuse, personally. But all right. Whatever. <laughs> Moving the on. Doctor has spoken. That's actually, I have a, a separate question uh, that's kind of related. Um, Alan, are, are you working on anything specific? Any, like, big, I don't want to use the word expose because that seems strange, but you know what, I'm, what I mean. Uh, anything uh, that you're currently working on? Uh, not really. Um, I'm working on a story right now. I do, like, weekly stories, and it's specifically about how Twitter has just um, started to employ just a ton of people from the FBI and, to a lesser extent, oh, wow. the CIA as well. <laughs> And I am trying to work out why this is going on. I, 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 I couldn't possibly guess. There's absolutely no <laughs> logical conclusion that I could draw as to why the United States... Why would the, why would the United States government want to have had in one of the largest social media platforms to exist? Yeah, yeah I'm, really, I'm really scratching my head at this, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 um, there's a, a related thing I remember. I don't know if it's still the case, but I remember that there was a thing where the U.S. government had uh, direct links to... They tried to basically bring all this stuff under their wing, like Facebook and Twitter uh, and YouTube and all this kind of stuff. But I don't, if I remember correctly, it fell through. They didn't manage to do it. Hold on, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, while you're looking that up, I know that they have had a, a huge hand in you know producing movies and TV shows, and like they even own a bunch of publishing houses and things like that. So I'm not at all surprised that they would want to bring a more modern form of uh, content under their control too. Yeah, I mean, I guess this builds on stuff I've written about how there are just a ton of NATO employees who've recently been um, picked up by TikTok. And just like with uh, the story I'm working on with Twitter, it's all people, none of them are in sales or marketing or any of the sort of politically neutral um, departments. It's all in trust and security and content moderation. And that really uh, it should be you know, ringing massive alarm bells for people. It's happening with pretty much every big social media uh, platform. Reddit hired uh, as their director of policy somebody straight from the Atlantic Council as well. I've written about that extensively. Um, yeah, it seems pretty much uh, at some point you get too big to be independent in terms of social media and the US government really tries to start bringing you in. Wasn't uh, Speaking about Reddit, wasn't there a thing that uh, it found out that the uh, what's it called um, largest amount of of, of tweet uh, not tweet excuse me uh, like posts on Reddit came from some U.S. Army uh, post or some shit like that. Am I remembering oh, this right? Yes, that's um, right. I think that was in Florida, right? I remember there was also something to do with uh, some some uh, like official like CIA. Is it Langley? If I remember correctly, uh, that's was it right. FBI yeah. CIA. Yeah, yeah. I remember they also had like a large, like a, a, a collection. And I was like, you know, like they make it so obvious at some point, but people don't give a shit, right? I remember um, there was uh, some post of uh, a uh, uh, former, not CIA director, but one of the higher ups, basically. And they're like, hey, uh, do you use like Andre Children in, in like your. Oh, yeah. Your, yeah. And he was like, oh, without, without, you know, giving a definite answer, like there's a lot of horrible shit that we do. Um, <laughs> like he gave a very political, you know, neutral answer, but, but basically he said, oh, we use kids and we use even worse things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was right? horrific. And, oh, what the and by the way, imagine, if, know about this. 
yeah, yeah, no, this is a real thing. Um, just like uh, how uh, what's it called? They had uh, the the um, uh, some woman who came up and she was like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm uh, a Uyghur uh, activist uh, on on. Uh, uh, like, ask me anything. And they're like, hey, yeah, so what did you do before? It's like, oh, well, I started working in, like, Guantanamo Bay. That was, like, my first major job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was yeah, like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, these weird things. But, yeah, the um, the CIA thing. I, the, the thing that I find absolutely hilarious about this is if this was any other country on Earth, if it was Russia, if it was China or something, and they had an official right, or former official that came out on a public platform and said, hey, yeah, we use underage children, possibly in sexual ways, to, uh, you know, carry out the fucking nefarious things that we want to uh, carry out, and, like, everybody just listened, was like, oh, wow, that's a, that's mighty interesting of you, fucking, yeah. right, and uh, every, the the entire U.S. public and U.S. media apparatus and government would have demonized this thing, this, to, like, no ends, right, uh, but no, instead, uh, the U.S. admits to doing this stuff. Meanwhile, in China, all we get is uh, some fucking white expat dude who makes videos like, oh, China tried to honeypot me. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> that just comes oh down to the God. fact that the, we see the CIA as the good guys, and it would be it's better that they do it than the bad guys do it. Yeah, yeah, of course. CIA, the fucking uh, <laughs> McUltra, the good, the good guys, <laughs> right? Well, they're all like intersectional Latinos with uh, imposter syndrome. Of course. So they're probably pretty <laughs> yeah. good guys. Mm. Oh I'm proud of you, Miha. What the, the fuck the tagline was? Oh, God. They managed oh, to make everybody God. mad with that advertisement. Everybody. Yeah, I, remember, I actually, yeah. I, think, I think I was probably the person who like popularized that because um, I went to the CIA's website for a different reason and I saw there was a YouTube clip embedded in it and I was like, oh, is this one of these ridiculous advertising things? And I clicked on it and it said, oh, it's not playing properly. And I clicked through to YouTube and I found an unlisted playlist of like 10 different mm -hmm. videos, like just all of the sort of cringe inducing crap. And I put together a, like a whole like collage of it for Twitter. And then it got like retweeted by lots of left people, but a lot of people on the Dude. right, like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump's son, <laughs> Don Jr. And they were all tweeting it. And I was like... The reason I found it amazing was because I was thinking, isn't it horrible how one of the most evil uh, organizations in the world is co-opting the language of social progress for their own ends? Mm. But people like oh, Ted Cruz was like, mm. I told you, the CIA is full of Marxists and we have to like, oh you know, battle <laughs> with them. Oh, they've oh, completely God. misunderstood this. Yeah, really, it's, it's, dude, it's you, you have generated literally hundreds of millions of uh, dollars for podcasters all over the world by popularizing that. Thing. <laughs> I think everybody in their yeah, grandma I, mean, I don't think I was the person on that thing. I wasn't the person who first found it, but I certainly did find a whole ton of them. Uh, uh, afterwards i love that the the video which i think is no longer on youtube it's been like not only on this i think it's been privated or even deleted but if you look at the re-uploads of it and you go into the comments you see these like trump or even not even trump like people but even further right who are like oh what the, this country's going to the shit or oh you know this fucking uh, a very strong anti-latino sentiment or anti you know right um i remember one guy one comment that stood out to me was was some dude who said something like like uh oh yeah um let them into let, let them into the cia see if the gang issues improve <laughs> like oh you said it sarcastically <laughs> i'm like oh my fucking yeah it's 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 insane but also yeah uh pink imperialism and rainbow imperialism is, is definitely a thing 
um, every single aspect of uh, the modern United States will try to co-opt and dress itself in the clothing of progressive movements. Uh, they did it with the black rights movement. They are doing it with LGBT activism. They did it with the, you know feminist activism, right? Like, oh, the poor women of Afghanistan, you know, they need our help. That's why we need to fucking bomb their water treatment plants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my right? favorite day of the year is MLK Day, mostly because I'm just waiting, licking my lips for that <laughs> for inevitable FBI, FBI yeah. tweets. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm like, I've got so many replies. Which one oh, yeah. shall I go for? Yeah, it's beauty. <laughs> it's kind of tricky because I basically support all the stuff that these people are talking about, but it's like, it's so obviously disingenuous that um, mm. you, you don't really know how to yeah. react to it. And when I say yeah, the yeah, stuff, yeah. I mean like women's rights and gay rights. I don't mean like the CIA overthrowing like, <laughs> Latin American. Yeah, yeah, countries. no, no, we get it. We get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, do, like, that's literally not how it happened. Like, she got an email from HR. We got an email from marketing and they were like, okay, uh, find us these seven demographics. Uh, and then HR sent them back like 70 profiles. They went through the 70 profiles in marketing and they picked seven. Then they got an email, yo, we're recording a video with you. In another company, you can say no, but this is the CAA. You should probably have to say yes, okay, we're making this fucking video. And uh, she, she lies to herself, obviously. And obviously there's a script and she just fucking follows it. That was prepared for like two months in advance where they picked out th from her life to make her sound like she's uh, struggling uh, and how the CAA helped her with the struggles. And then you, you create these relatively feel-good stories, et cetera, et cetera. They just really fucked up by hiring somebody who's going to do their PR who obviously previously worked for, I don't know, fucking Kellogg's uh, Corn or some shit, <laughs> yeah. and not for, for an organization that uh, drone strikes weddings. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, they went with the same approach, and uh, it obviously backfired, but at least it made great content. So, Or, or alternatively, alternatively, sorry, I, it, it's the most like brilliant anti-CIA person that infiltrated it, and intentionally created all of this cringe to undermine the legitimacy of the organization. I really hope it's yeah. the latter. Yeah, well, you're saying it could a... be destroyed just by the weight of the cringe, like bearing yeah. down on it. That's what you think, dude? <laughs> I lost like seventy percent of my respect. I because I respect my fucking enemies. Seventy percent of my respect for the CIA just after watching that shit. I'm like, mm. these dudes are trying so fucking hard to be likable. Like the CIA's of the '60s and '70s didn't give a flying fuck, burning down motherfucking villages, fucking inventing vampires so that the locals start <laughs> killing communists. Like these dudes would not stop for nothing either they believed in it or they made a lot of fucking drug money uh and they fucking went full on these motherfucking pussies they want to be liked at that, that, that mm. moment <laughs> i'm like man 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 i'm rolling over you hey look uh, whatever happens i'm just glad of, of, of the this new this newfound uh lack of effectivity at least for the most part it's it's i you know like if they want to get some stuff done they'll get it done but i mean this with the with the bad uh, pr um how they sent a bunch of like dudes to to venezuela that were all captured by like fishermen <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> oh, yeah. the, i don't the, think there's an episode the, when we don't yeah. mention that yeah <laughs> it's all the failed we should mention yeah. Honestly, all the failed color revolutions, like back in the day, they could overturn a country. Now they're like, oh, who is the most fascist group of people we can find who are going to go full mask off 20 minutes after we give them this fucking NED grant, right? Uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like that Shiba Inu meme where like the first one is the CIA in sixties and it's like this buff Shiba oh, who's yeah. like destroying whole <laughs> countries and now it's like, ow, a fisherman pointed a knife at me. <laughs> he got to surrender. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean uh, Oh my god, we didn't internally on... communi- communicate properly. Uh, the wrong police department came to the U-Haul we were all hiding in and fucking arrested <laughs> us. You, oh my god. Dude, you were supposed to drive through the fucking Western Street. That's where our cop was, not the eastern fucking part of town oh i don't know if you guys saw that that was absolutely fucking uh-huh. beautiful it's like thumbs arresting thumbs it's it's, it's awesome it's and if you saw yeah. any of their fucking mug shots like these guys are supposed to be fighting for the same race they look like they're from different fucking galaxies man <laughs> one guy's his yeah. nose is poking through his fucking forehead the other oh dude looks like he's straight out of the paleoethic fucking era <laughs> another dude has so oh many f- there's nothing wrong if you have acne but how are you fucking a racial supremacist and your skin you I, I can't even see if you're white because you're so fucking covered in pimples I'm sorry, it's it's just a fucking class class. I fucking it's one, love it. one of the best things that have happened to me in the last. Do month. you know? I just can't they they look like they look like uh, what's that game? Um, uh, you know the the character generation. You just hit like random. Yeah, random. You know, like, face yeah. That's what it looks. They look like fucking elves. They don't look like people. <laughs> They look oh like God. like uh, oblivion characters, but uh, they're they're all uh, imperials uh, who hate uh. Uh, Nords. But somehow there's a bunch of Nords among them. If you know what I mean, <laughs> at least have a cohesive fucking race you believe in. You <laughs> motherfuckers like look like you're. Uh, uh, like you, you all had the same mother, but a lot of different fathers. If you okay, I'm overdoing it now. <laughs> Little a- AI generation. This is like AI generated faces. You can't you can't fucking tell me otherwise. Well, you know, the CIA, uh, talking about the Venezuela coup that happened in the CIA, I just remembered one of my favorite um, articles I ever wrote was about, um, you know what, the generals uh, that uh, led this coup against Venezuela, they, they escaped and went back to the United States and went through Texas, but they got picked up by ICE and they got thrown in an ICE prison for a year. <laughs> oh, and they were like, please, we <laughs> yeah, please, you son of a bitch, you said we were going to be rich, let us out. Like, no, oh you're dead to us now. Yeah, I think they spent... A year in an ice jail after uh, doing a coup for the U.S. and failing. Who was wasn't it Kissinger that said? I think it was Kissinger uh, that said it's um, uh, it's bad to be America's enemy, but it's worse to be America's friend or something like that. Because they, yeah, because they treat them like you know it's, you're their friend until you're not, and then <laughs> God help you. <laughs> yeah. Trust right. nobody, not even right. myself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, Alan, as we're wrapping up. Could you do the brilliant shit you did in the last episode, but a bit updated? Give us last time you gave us a lot. Let's now limit it to three to five of, again, the cringiest, most batshit, insane uh, article uh, topics that you've seen in the last few months since you've last been on the show. Uh, The National Review, Putin, the Marxist-Leninist. Like Trump, the Leninist revolution, the right-wing Leninist revolution. Oh, my God. Words have no meaning anymore. Well, I mean, the the argument was this. I mean, you can kind of pick it up from uh, just the subheadline. Uh, sub it goes, we can only deal effectively with Putin if we accept how much he is enthralled to Marxism-Leninism and its core mm-hmm. idea that political power grows only out of the barrel of a gun. That now, is the only ideology that, that proposes that, that thing. That is the core of <laughs> Marxism-Leninism. Uh, we, we do the violence, bruv. Yeah, that's like being like uh, Putin the anarchist because... Um, Peter Kropotkin said, uh, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) 
Like Putin is many, many things, but uh, Marxist-Leninist is uh, very, <laughs> yeah. very far from uh, what he is. Uh, something also that you you shared, Alan, uh, which was the the uh, Pride um, CIA post of on their Instagram, and it's it's the Pride like P R I D E, but the I is the that ugly fucking flag that they've made up. That it's just it's such a liberal attempt. It's obvious because they're like, how many identities can we fit in one flag just so we cover everything, <laughs> right? God forbid it'd be an organic actually intersectional movement no no no. we just want to have one thing that we can plaster on all marketing so then they we can be like okay we support the gays so you buy from us right um but yeah so that the flag is the i and then the text says this hashtag cia fosters an open and inclusive work environment to ensure all officers can serve the nation confident that they will be judged by their integrity and work ethic and not by their sexuality gender identity or gender expression i love the fact that they're like oh you're not going to be judged by your color or your sexuality but your political outlook oh you're going to be fucking you're gonna <laughs> to go to prison for that shit they literally <laughs> embrace the meme with the two planes uh it's bad when a normal plane bombs you but then there's a um lgbtq plus flag and blm stickers on a on a plane bombing and everybody's like yes very good plane you know they embrace it as the new ideology of of the state department what about a four-parter from the washington post all four of these uh, are classics of the genre so, number one, it's time to give the elites a bigger say in choosing the president. <laughs> of course, yes. Mm. Number two, yes, there is such a thing as too much democracy. Number mm. three, classic. the odds of a military coup in Venezuela are going up, but coups can sometimes lead to democracy. Oh. And <laughs> number four, the Middle East doesn't lack democracy, it has too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's the democracy dies in darkness, uh, Washington Post right there. Oh, owned by Bezos, of course. Um, he has no part in this dying or whatever, something, darkness, something, right? Um, oh, but the fucking, you know, the IDF has vegan fucking shoes. They don't use leather for their boots anymore, right? <laughs> Moral army. <laughs> oh, well, fuck. at least you can feel yeah, like you're not participating in cruelty while you lick those boots. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you lick any other army's boots, uh, you're a disgusting meat eater. But licking uh, the Israeli army's boots is at least relatively eco-friendly. Uh, and with that, uh, l uh, ladies and gentlemen and NBs, this has been the whatever episode of the, the program. <laughs> uh, we have been joined by uh, Alan. Uh, Alan, please uh, tell our audience uh, where they can find you. Everything will be linked in the description below. And then we'll proceed to our cute little sign-off. Yeah, check me out, my uh, work at mintpressnews.com, and you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at alan.r.mcleod, but mostly on Twitter at alanrmcleod. If you want your brain to be blown, no matter how well-informed you think you are, because my cocky self does <laughs> think they are, check check Alan's workout. Everything is uh, is in the description. Uh, thank you for being with us yet another <laughs> evening and for tolerating our insanity and Alan's uh, brilliance. Uh, this has been The Deep Program. I am Yugopnik. I'm JT. I'm Hakeem. <laughs> and I'm Alan. Mark Don't wear glasses inside. <laughs>